might be back. I might be in jail. I might be anywhere. But when I leave, you can remember I said with the last words on my lips that I am a revolutionary. And you're going to have to keep on saying that. You're going to have to say that I am a proletarian. I am the people. I'm not the pig. You've got to make a distinction. And the people are going to have to attack the pig. The people are going to have to stand up against the pig. That's what the pastors are doing. That's what the pastors are doing all over the world. The revolution's now, we still can't breathe. You think it's revolutionary defunding police? That's phase one, we will abolish the beast. Demilitarize and allocate funds to our needs. Cops don't stop crime, so we're placing peacekeepers. Training counselors, mediators, and teachers. Freeing protesters, political leaders. And blasting revolutionary rap from the speakers. We getting reparations and apologies for past and current crimes. Damaged psychologies. The war on drugs is over, watch the drop in all the robberies Close the jails and prisons, equalized economy Try to try me, and we could still be enemies In this new society, without the death penalty No illegal immigrants, no victims in the pens No corporate profiting, no crime and punishment We'll tend to mental ailments, apply an intervention Ending the surveillance, denying all detention Rebuilding our communities, village by village It's time to check your white male heterosexual privilege one time I'll say it out loud, honey, to a riot cop, three is a crowd. How much money are we paying right now so you'll beat us down? One time I'll say it out loud, honey, to a riot cop, three is a crowd. How much money are we paying right now so you'll beat us down? Hello. Uh, so I guess it's just us for now, uh, and I'm sure like we'll edit this part out when we uh, do the uh, final like publishing. But uh, well, welcome again to the show, uh, Awkward. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you. Uh, it was such a pleasure last time, and we I'm really sorry that we couldn't get you for longer. But I'm really glad now that we get to have you again. Um, and we uh, first of all, how are you doing? And uh, how how's uh, how's your moving? I, I heard that you were moving, right? Like so, how's that been? <laughs> Kind of, kind of. Um, my grandfather, on well, fortunately, my grandfather is over 100 years old, which is incredible. Most of my family died in the Holocaust. So, um, but he just got transferred to a different kind of living facility that's, you know, his room is much smaller. And he had tons of, like, really nice furniture that I could never afford. And so we basically like cleared out our house and put all his shit in our house. So we didn't actually move. We just, you know, we just uh, moved up in the game. Oh, nice. Uh, and on, uh, I mean, I should have done this before, but uh, I need to welcome uh, Marcus, uh, my co-host. And uh, the reason this show exists, although it says I'm the host and he's uh, a moderator, uh, it's actually that like... We're both co-hosts, and uh, unfortunately, Colin doesn't have the feature where uh, there can be two hosts uh, wow. to a show. But Marcus, how you doing? Yeah, and, I, and that's the thing. Like, we can we gotta get rid of the pretenses and everything like that. You know, we are you know leftist like direct democracy, smash bureaucracy, you know, like at least unnecessary bureaucratic stuff. So you know, we're all speakers, we're all moderators, we're all listeners. Um, but uh, I guess only a few of us get uh get the paycheck which you know we'll eventually distribute but um no i'm good uh sorry i was kind of like cutting a little late because i was uh on, on this is revolution but um 
<laughs> yeah, and I, I think I don't know. Like, I think that still qualifies as moving. You know, technically, I think just literally moving <laughs> almost all of your stuff out and then moving the whole set of stuff. It, that's that's like the worst. That's you know, yeah. I mean, you're, you're getting some of the worst of it. Yeah, and you know, it's definitely on the the Jefferson's tip. That's for sure. So we yeah. felt like we felt like we were moving up. Yeah, you're getting some of the, the, the high class hand me downs. That's, that's, that's right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I mean, like, uh, what? I, it depends on exactly what kind of furniture you're getting. But like, I'm actually almost envious of you. Although um, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, and it's also really cool that like you have a hundred year old uh, grandfather who yeah. uh, that's like good on him that he's get to live up to. A, a hundred. I mean, I don't know if uh, we are going to last that long uh, at the rate things are going, especially. Uh, so on that note, uh, and like alluding to the track that we played at the beginning of the show, which is uh, 10 Demands, um, I guess like I wanted to actually start with, and I, and I flubbed it a little bit, but I wanted to start with saying that like you you have so many demands that we had to have you twice on the show. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but I, but I think that like um, the the track is really solid, uh, and that's another thing that we uh, have to start with uh, with with you uh, in that like you're not just uh, a rapper organizer, you're a pretty great rapper uh, who actually also organizes, and that's like something that's you know you're not just like a musician who does this thing on the side, but it's actually your main thing almost, and. Uh, uh, you're you're investing a lot of time and effort into it. Not only that, you're actually able to articulate it in such an artistically uh, kind of seamless way uh, without like forcing the narrative, without forcing the message. It's mm. so natural and organic in the way that you're saying it in this song um, that you're actually able to listen to it. Like, for instance, when I heard it, like uh, I was listening to it while I was working out. You know, obviously it feels good to hear the songs good. Um, but, but I thought the most interesting part of what he said was that <clears throat> that it's done in this organic way. Um, I think that this song really does achieve that. Um, and that's the kind of thing that, you, you know, like with anything, you don't start out as your best self, as your best version. And I can say the same thing about myself when I started rapping. Like that's that's true of everybody. And, you know, this was always my mindset, although it's it's increased over time, the dedication outside of the music. But it was always important to me to have some kind of message, whether it was overt or, or otherwise, in all of the music. And we touched upon this last time that I feel like everything we do every day is political. Um, but I do agree, like now at this point, you know, I'm able to produce music that is entertaining unto itself. You know, I think the uh, Medicare for All song is is maybe not as powerful, but it's a similar idea in that you don't have to be like obsessing over the lyrics, but if you did, you'd really learn something. And, and that's the important part is that you're not feeling forced, you're not feeling preached to. Yeah, and that's like something where I'm actually, I'm, I'm okay with you know, like even being preached to. You know, is the message good or not? Um, right. And I, yeah. And that's and, where, yeah, you could, there's like kind of levels of it of like, am I listening to something to enjoy? Am I listening to something to motivate me? Um, and I think it's kind of like one of the things that me and Carthy really like to hit on is like, we want to find good music. And like you said, if you start diving into the lyrics and what they mean, 
you just might learn something. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is a lot, you know, more than can be said with, you know, which is like good music. You're just like, oh, hey, you just throw away lyrics. But, you know, what if there weren't throwaway lyrics? You know? I'm really sorry that like I got cut off uh, before. I don't know. Colin didn't want me to complete the question. Uh, <laughs> but like everybody who's been on the show before has uh, always like the first thing that they lead with uh, is the fact that like, you know, I like political music, but most of it is boring. Most of it sucks. Most of it is too preachy. Um, yeah. You know, I like and there's a there's a famous clip uh, of Michael Michael Brooks uh, interviewing Napoleon, the legend, where Michael Brooks says, um, I want to listen to uh, rap about people killing people and like objectifying women. Ob- obviously, he meant it as a joke. Uh, but usually, like people like this kind of music that kind of helps you tune out rather than mm-hmm. something that wants you to tune in. Um, and in a kind of way, you want the music that makes you want to tune in also to kind of sound like the music that yes. makes you want to tune out. Uh, which is like uh, kind of like can you talk a little bit about how you walk that line before we get into talking about your politics yeah man that i mean i i love talking about this because it's it's been years since the focus has been on the music so it's kind of fun it's a sidetrack almost um and and it's a great question i i have a, i have two daughters um and a wife and the three of them all kind of share my politics, but do not listen to this kind of music. And, you know, especially my, my wife is like, I don't even, I have no idea what any of my favorite songs are about. I have no idea what they're saying. I don't care. I don't listen. Um, It's about the music. And, and while obviously I am first and foremost, well, I shouldn't even say that. Like, I am first and foremost truthfully talking to people who aren't you guys. You know, I have to be honest. I was going to say it the other way, but it's not. Like you guys are already are already with me. You know, like I obviously I want you to love the music, but in the same way that I spend a lot of time talking to Democrats, neoliberals about abolition, I want like someone like my wife to hear this song and like after the third listen, catch a few of the lines. Um, so it is really a fine line. And let's be honest, like my music is a certain type of hip hop. It's like New York City, underground, independent hip hop. And that's just not what's popular. It's not mumble rap. It's not dance music, you know, whatever. It's not pop. So no matter what I do, as long as I'm authentic, true to myself, true to how I was raised in the music I've always made, it's never going to hit like the most massive audience. But at the same time, I think I mentioned uh, last time I was with you guys that I made a song about fracking. And had I not rushed to put it out on my album, it would have been on this album that made it like all over mainstream media. So there is a way to get your stuff there. But of course, you always just have to be cognizant of like, of you have to be realistic who who my target audience is and, you know, how far that reach can go. And, and so that's why now I really make music to support the other work that I'm doing. You know, and there's something that you, when you mentioned, like making music for, you know, people who aren't kind of already invested in like the ideology and, and hoping that's like by the third listen, you know, you pick up on something. Um, I think it's a very, very uh, just developed and complete way of like, kind of like understanding of how people 
receive messages, how people change their mind. You know, um, it would be nice if like, hey, you know, someone has a feeling about, you know, and like we could pick any of the topic areas that are, you know, like crushing us, you know, <laughs> from uh, privacy rights and abortion, healthcare, um, to housing, you know, I mean, prison abolition, over-policing, doesn't matter, right? Each individual person in society is coming with an idea, with a, you know, position. It would be great if you could just say, hey, look at this data that I have. Look, yeah. at this object- <laughs> look at these objective facts that I have. Can you change your mind now, please? <laughs> like, that would be so fantastic. But the thing is, like, no, people need people at work to push back. They need people at home and in their families to push yeah. back and their friends and family. They need to be able to turn on the radio and hear something that pushes back against those narratives. And then, right, on that third listen, they might just learn something. But then, yeah. like, comes the also difficult part of how do you change your physical actions in your day-to-day life to mm-hmm. actually, you know, exude those changes in your mental, uh, you know, mental space? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, great points. I mean, to me, um, you know, in, in terms of the last part of the question, every time I do an interview, I always end with, what can people do in their communities? Because... I'm assuming or hoping one or two people after listening will say, what can I do? And there's the answer. There should always be a call to action Um, and something and, and not just one call to action. This is critically important too. enough calls to action that anyone that everyone has an option. You know, if my only call to action is get on the streets, then you know, a disabled person or a child can't do anything about it. If I give them a bunch of options, including options to, you know, donate to mutual aid if you have money but can't leave your house, like everyone can be covered that way. Um, and, you know, to the beginning of the of the question or, or point, uh, you know, I spend a lot of time sharing data. Um, and that, I think, is an appropriate role for me, given my interactions with police have been terrible, but nothing compared to what they would have been if I didn't look the way I do. And so, you know, I don't think it's the role of a directly impacted person to sit there doing research about people like themselves. And so I talk about stats and they only go so far. So the other thing I do is try to amplify the voices and the and the stories of those people who may not have the reach that I do um, and whose stories are far more compelling and, you know, than than dry numbers. And so because of that, I'm, you know, over time, like the first time I send a Democrat, you know, here's how many cops and dogs. I mean, sorry, here's how many humans and dogs cops kill a day. Don't you think that's messed up? Like, yeah, but that but they're still like generations ingrained in the ideology that police are the only option. There's no alternative. So they're not convinced. You know, this is going to take a lot of conversations. And it's also the same reason why the 10 demand song came with a video. What the dog do? What the dog? The dog should have complied. (laughs) Yeah. 25 plus dogs a day. And 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 so it's just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And so just to finish, that's the reason there's a video whenever there can be, because, yes, you can. Yes. 
um, songs and lyrics are more impactful than me talking, which is more impactful than me writing, but a movie is more impactful than a song. And to me, when you watch the video that has been censored essentially by YouTube and you listen at the same time, it's a whole nother level of engagement and, and impact. Uh, you know, this is why I kind of wanted to start with uh, telling, and I mean, like, unless this is evident and obvious, uh, it also needs to be stressed and mentioned uh, that, like, your music is actually good, like, and in the sense, like, the lyricality and, like, the, the kind of um, alliteration, the rhymes and, the you know, the, the kind of messages that you are able to uh, sneak into the rhymes, the kind of turns of phrase that you use, they're pretty fresh and, like, uh, you come up with them. Um, in in very organic ways, as we uh, as I said earlier, um, and I think it's really crucial because like uh, when we when again like as I said when we think of political music, it's not always like something that is uh, considered good listening, let alone easy listening. Uh, but I think yeah. that like uh, when when you talk about music which has a call to action, uh, it seems like that needs to be packaged into this idea that the song needs to be good to listen to right like and again like this this merits the question of like what makes a song like uh, the literary quality of a song itself i don't i hate to be the guy who brings up literary analysis but just to indulge no. that a little bit um that, like that's really yeah. interesting um and i think you two guys or i shouldn't say guys sorry you two people should um <laughs> should check out um something called rap seminar I think they're only on Instagram. Um, I interviewed the guy who started it like years ago and he did an analysis of Gasland, um, mm. which I, which may or may not still be on my website. I'm not sure. But the point is, is that they go like crazy deep into dissecting like every word, like every bar, like, you know, all of these literary things that you're talking about that I don't even know I'm doing. And, <laughs> You know, it was pretty incredible, like, watching it happen and being like, oh, shit, I did that. Oh, shit. Like, that's dope. And honestly, like, when you compliment me, it's very weird for me. Um, I'm like, I I don't like that. That's hard for me to listen to. And I appreciate it, obviously. Um, and, you know, I, I, I just think that, yes, um, it's it's important to be creative. But again, you guys hear that stuff. My wife's not hearing that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, I'm I'm thrilled to know that I'm doing it, and um, and more importantly, that there are people who who appreciate it because it is important to me. I like really labor over each song, which now that I make like one or two a year is a lot easier to do. I'm not feeling rushed at all. Um, but again, at the same time, we just have to get more ears and eyes on it, right? Right. Uh, and I think that like the reason I bring this up uh, is also uh, because like uh, you're you're not only making the song good, uh, but like just you're, you're kind of redefining what can be a good song. And I think that's what we try to uh, cover in this program, because like the artists that we have on are not the average like dance musicians or like uh, even conscious, the average conscious rapper, because the average conscious rapper is mainly like telling you to like pull yourself up by the bootstraps at the end of the day, right? Like if you were to parse it down, it's always like you got to wise up, you got to like, uh, you know, do what's good for you, do what's best for you, maybe uh, work in society, cooperate and like have a sense yeah. of community, etc. But it doesn't really 
like uh, get into the core of like political organizing political struggle and that kind of yeah. asks the question of like what like and i think this is this kind of important to touch on because right now there is a little bit of a, a, a kind of resurgence in uh, who what the role of a political artist should be and i kind of want to play this uh, track of yours called uh, the people's champ <laughs> in which uh, which is like a pretty i think it's like 10 years old or something pretty yeah. cool video uh, you got like a nice uh, couple of flows going i think i think this might be the second verse if not the i, I don't know if it's the first i think it's the second verse uh, but like basically you outline uh, why you are the people's champ and like a lot of people tend to say that i'm the people's champ i'm like the champ you know i'm like your representative i'm like your uh, guy essentially uh, but uh, you're killing me man Hold on, hold on, you're killing me. Yeah, so before before we play it, like yes. I, I just have to say that I would never refer to myself that way now. Never. <laughs> okay. So like this was a twenty year old version, twenty something year old version of myself, and and it's just an absurd it's an absurd concept for especially for especially for a, a white skinned Jew. So I you know but it, it, but you know I and also like I don't think I would say what I said in that song either, like a lot can be misinterpreted in that song, especially in the first verse. However, right. however, I do really like the way it sounds. I think it might be one of my best sounding songs. Um, I made two remixes of it, one with Harry Fraud, um, who's a really big producer that I grew up with. Um, but, you know, at the, at the end of the day, like there's a reason that you know, those other artists are talking about pick yourself up from the bootstraps, like talking about their communities and not political organizing. And honestly, I believe that it's because I'm privileged to have learned what I've learned, to have been able to sit and read or to be able to go into prisons and talk with people and not be the one stuck in there. And so like when other artists have like escaped a level of oppression that I haven't and have the opportunity to speak to their community, they're more often going to be talking about like much more like literal things that they can do to, to because not everyone is going to play basketball or be a rapper. So what are their other options? Right. Um, so it's important to understand perspective as well. Yeah, but I think you still like nail it. And so like, let's, let's hear the song. I think you kind of like nail it, nail it in terms of like what you are expecting the community to do in terms of call to action. I think this is a great, uh, song to listen to because, right. uh, you kind of lay it out. I don't let's, remember. So I'm yeah, let's hear it. All right. The next question, of course, is what happens when we get paper. The first thing's first, if they assholes, they not neighbors. Drag them onto the lawn, slice them slow with rusty razors. Climb up into their cribs, go get it, it's all painter. And don't bother to thank me, I ain't doing this as a favor. I ain't even a real person, fam, my meaning's much greater. Call me Mr. F and Dirt and everybody grab your shavers. We ain't killing them with kindness, we letting torches, they in danger. Pussy politicians, corrupt cops, finger itches, sick molesting rapists, racists, that's what bitches. Push distorted fucks who take they side, that's what Snitching. That's why we built the people's army. God forbid this. Got some guppies killed fishes. They flushed down toilets of ghetto heavens. All the fallen angel fuck ups, rocking halos and weapons. The never settled war veterans. These are my veterans. I deliver medicine. The reality jokes, the better end. Right is right, get them wrong is wrong. Sick of all the misadvice, why I'm singing this song. Hating how you live your life, why you're singing along. I'm the people's champion, Torah Bible Quran. 
right is right, get them wrong is wrong Sick of all the misadvice, why I'm singing this song Hating how you live your life, while you're singing along I'm the people's champion, Torah, Bible, Quran You know, I I, I, I want to say that I guess in in the flavor of like you know like some people and like I think like Michael Brooks famously you know is like saying it, but like a lot of people say this like I want you know I just want yeah grimy shit and hip hop and that's it. Like me, no, I want good politics in my hip hop. What I also want that's like I guess counter to left left ideology is like I want my hip hop artists to be arrogant as fuck. <laughs> yeah. And, like, that song is, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you are walking on and just fucking swinging. Every, yeah. like, and, like, that beat is is, yeah. uh, is just so aggressive. And, like, I don't know. And, like, that thing, too, is, like, I think it's, I, I love the fact that you you start off with, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not that guy anymore. But, like, and, like, <laughs> I appreciate that 100%. Because, like, the thing is, too, is, like, fuck, yeah, 20-something me. Is not the same person. Yeah, I think there is something about hip hop where, like, you need your MC to know that they are the best, <laughs> whether that you like whether you actually believe it or not. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, man. There's a lot to there's a lot of like unpacking of hip hop like to be done, and you know, for one, I'll just one thing I want to just say that I caught was the never settled war veterans. And I think that's an interesting line or like phrase, you know, given who I'm talking to right now, um, it being, you know, the left flank vets show. Um, and you know, and, and I, I didn't disagree with anything that was in there. It's just, you know, the person who was writing that song was literally in the streets fighting people, going all over the country protesting. And the version of me now has a wife and two kids and is terrified of Nazis coming to my house and is like, you know, preparing for that. So it's just a whole different kind of kind of world that I'm living in. But at the same time, the world around me is probably even worse. And the need for what I was talking about is even greater. And the left is so underprepared in that in that particular sense, like cops, the military and Nazis are heavily, heavily armed. And we collectively are not. Yeah, no, and that's something that's like, um, this is, yeah, because we, like, I think you have extremely accurate to say, like, now, you know, like, look around, like, the, the culture, the situation, like, what's even, you know, like, not just culture, but what's happening legally, we are in yeah. a worse state, a more authoritarian state than, you know, yeah, <laughs> 10 years ago. Um, yeah. And, and that's the thing is that, like, and that's, I think, you know, like, when you talk about, you know, having this conversation with, you know, people who are like mainstream Democrats and liberals, the the understanding of defending something that you built, you know, actually defending <laughs> something that, you know, defending your rights, that's only like they can't think of, you know, it's something that's like not really like, oh, yeah, that's what I do in the ballot box. Right. You know, yeah, like <laughs> and that's something that, like I like it might be the hardest part 
because on policy things like dwell, do you think it's correct that everyone right. should have a house? Right. Sure, sure, sure. How do those things come about? Yeah. How do you actually establish those things? Um, yeah. And yeah, you know, that's something, yeah, we, we, we are woefully uh, ill-prepared to defend yes. <laughs> gains. You know, yeah, like, we're, we're not we're, we're, right. to your point, we're unprepared in many ways. And that's why, like leading up to this call, I was just like, I rarely engage in like little conversations on Twitter, but it's so important to build a mutual aid infrastructure as well. And there are so many people and groups like trying to do that. And I just want it to all be collectivized. Like there just needs to be one directory, one resource for anyone in need to be able to go look up where they live and get access to what they need because we can't rely on the government, obviously. And, 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 you know, I did bring up a side point to that is that there are a lot of groups like the gym in New York who are abused, attacked, removed every time they do anything. So how do we even address including groups in this directory who, you know, can't share where they are? Yeah, yeah. No, that's like, that's what it was like, because yeah, uh, like what you're talking about is um, the, uh, the consolidation you know, in, in some senses, um, coalition building. Yeah. You know, and this is all like things that I like. I actually think I, I, I you know, maybe it's just like revolutionary optimism. But no, I, I, I really believe that this is coming. You know. Yeah. Us, us having this conversation. This is not just happening in a vacuum. Yeah. There are, and like I think you're even a part of that United Left group, which you know Erica, who's the left was left like was like early on and and, and kind of helping that uh, stand up. I know she was just doing a lot of emails, reaching out to people and stuff. But that that consolidation, um, then the coalition building, that is just it's that is a necessity, mm-hmm. and I I just believe that if there are people who are leftists, they will they are we are coming to that understanding that there is a lot of organizations out there, right? There are a lot of people who are already out there doing the work. Yep. Now, now we need to share the load amongst ourselves. Yeah. um, And, and and see where that can take us. And our, and our United left was a a brilliant concept. And Erica and I worked together. Um, She and I, and um, one other person who ended up blocking me on Twitter and I don't remember her name, but the three of us, were you know heavily involved in writing like the you know the mission statement and and the early organizing and you know it kind of tapered off um to say the least and you know the one thing i can think of that may have i mean in addition to just any large umbrella thing is is tough and it depends heavily on the people involved and so over time, Eric and I both felt that we weren't involved anymore. So something happened there, obviously, for us to both feel that way. This is not my goal is in no way to speak ill of that group because they're still valuable. Um, but yeah, what I, I maybe well, hold on, let me finish the thought. What I can learn, what I think I learned, though, is that the kind of networking I'm talking about with mutual aid groups is that there's no hierarchy. There's no name for a larger organization. There's just a website. 
And all of these groups work together. And there are larger groups already, like I think it's called United Relief or, you know, where they organize other smaller groups. And all of that is awesome. But there's no umbrella. And it could be the concept of the umbrella and this leadership of that umbrella dictating things that causes the, the problems. Yeah, no, and that's like, and yeah, not, not like I don't bring up anything to bash anyone. Really, like, like <clears throat> I mean, other like I mean, like we bring up like Kendrick Lamar, like we're probably gonna bash him. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but that's the thing. It's like, hey, you know, even to take from you know this like that, you know, like experience with those that like you actually have to fail. Most yes. attempts are are gonna be failures. Yes, you know, but like that. That's the thing. It's like. The, you have to attempt in order to actually get the answer right. Yes. Um, yes. So that's one of those like that. That yeah. attempt is showing me we are we're getting it. We're getting yes. it. Yep. We're moving that that direction. There's going to be attempts. There's going to be a lot more failures than there are successes. But the successes are coming. Um, yep. So. Yeah. yeah be and honest. and like three years ago, or yeah, about three years ago now, I started talking about a general strike. And I learned a lot in that context, too. It's very similar. I, you know, didn't feel obviously that I single handedly could call a general strike and it would work even at my most arrogant. Um, uh, but what I did think was that if enough of us called for it, maybe it would happen. And that's also absurd. Um, so I uh, not far less long ago, I kind of organized maybe 50 people to start talking about a general strike. Um, I invited um, Sarah Nelson, um, who's the head of the flight attendance union. And she talked to us about organizing toward, a, you know, organizing strikes, organizing toward a general strike and, you know, what role, if any, unions could play. And what I learned was that the group should not be a group about a general strike. The group should be a group about preparing for a general strike. And that means building the mutual aid infrastructure. It means developing a short list of concrete demands that are universal enough to get actual support. It involves coordinating with um, leftist media. There are so many elements to it that make us not prepared for a general strike. And again, that failed, right? Essentially, that group fizzled out. And, you know, now it's just a DM group on Twitter. But it doesn't matter because we learned things that we're talking about now. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, no, to, sorry, yeah, to, to bring it back to the art again, like a little bit uh, in, in this context, um, I think like, uh, in a way, like a call for a general strike is like kind of starting, starting with the vision, uh, and then like reverse engineering it to uh, the, the kind of things that need to be done in order for the vision to be accomplished. And I think in a kind of way, this is why like everyone, uh, you know, every every revolutionary seems to say that like art is an integral part of the revolution. And yeah. like for some reason, we hear about a lot of uh, revolutionaries, but we don't really hear a lot about the artists who are behind the revolution. But I think that like uh, the reason why I feel like art especially uh, ha has a special place is because it articulates this unab unabashed vision, like, uh, like even, even in the song you say that drag out the uh, people who are corrupt and uh, politically compromised and whatnot and like i mean it's it's a crazy absurd statement it's as absurd as a gangster walking to someone and shooting yeah. that person in the face right yeah. and i think that like it's important i mean uh, just to finish the thought i feel like 
it's really important for a, uh, a revolutionary artist to be able to articulate this level of like crazy vision yeah. uh, in the songs um as a yes. capitalistic artist uh, is able to articulate like how they're like on top of the world is like you know is jay z the king of new york i don't know i mean like who's the king of new york? nobody has a king like new york My doesn't have a Andreas king right? is the king of new york he doesn't <laughs> I mean, he's not with us anymore but frank yeah, white you know, was the king of new york but yeah you, <laughs> like on the movie yeah yeah you you um definitely make a good point and it's it's not just in music actually i do see myself <clears throat> because of my privilege also as being <clears throat> able to say and do things that certain other people are not and so whether it's in my music or whether it's creating an abolitionist organization or whether it's you know doing interviews with the you know most liberal or right wing people i can to share these you know so-called crazy views the idea is that if i'm seen as so insane then someone who's asking for slightly less will be seen as slightly less insane and i not to call myself believe me <laughs> anything like malcolm x or martin luther king but there's a similar dynamic in that martin luther king was the safer option and they weren't they were terrified of malcolm x and the black panther party so they were like all right let's listen to this you know peaceful guy uh, let's, let's listen to this christian let's ignore the socialist aspect of him and and you know pass a few laws that will pacify these people and um not to say i want reformist reforms because that's what put us here but the idea of you know, Antifa um, burning police precincts while um, slightly better dressed people walk into the city council meeting with the 10 demands and saying, you want them to stop burning precincts? Take a look at this. You know, that's what I'm talking about. You know, and let's say you're very, I think, um, I, I like the way that that contextualizes the entirety of the moment. Of, of of the you know, like moment like movement fighting against uh you know over policing police brutality the prison industrial complex whatever you want to call it um and because there are there are some I think that like are just a little too quick to denounce to say hey this action that that you know some group engaged with I disagree with it it shouldn't have happened you know and then that's bad and that's all not realizing the like the political window that <laughs> that that opens up because and like you said right every decision that you make in your life right the box of cereal you buy the car you you know the car yep. you decide to drive whether you decide to drive a car can you you can you utilize public transportation all these things are political decisions and whether you engage in political violence or not, that is in itself also, right? A political decision. Yeah. And people can base politics off of it. Um, and so I guess that's like one of the things too, is like, like, yeah, if, even if you, you know, if you're on the left, if you're a progressive and you dis disagree, you know, you should be extremely wary to play any like the two sides games, right? You should only have the understanding that what has happened is now the political window for what is what is a response to violence you know yeah that is now yeah. that is now opening up so if the people in power want to acquiesce to some of our requests now well we should do that 
Yes. Um, exactly. Yeah. You don't got to go out and denounce anything. Just say, yeah. Yep. Unless you want more of it, you better do what we want. Right. Right. Exactly. And, but having said all of that, um, you look at the results of 2020 and you see that police spending increased in 2021. You see police killings are of, of innocent people increased in 2021 and they're most likely going to increase again by the end of this year. So despite all of our efforts, we're not seeing the kind of progress that the Democrats want to see. So, which makes it even harder. How do we, and you, you pointed to this in a sense by saying, you know, we make these changes at the ballot box, right? Like if these changes aren't being seen across the country, obviously we need to pinpoint the small places where defunding is happening, but more importantly, um, pointing out the alternatives that are being created and the success that they're having. Um, that's the only way we're going to show progress to those who are borderline on our side. It's the only way we're going to keep people working with us engaged and empowered. Um, because, it, you know, when you look from a broad view, it looks bad. It doesn't look like we're making any progress. And, you know, and then if you look at the end of Miranda rights, the end of the our Sixth Amendment rights and the end of legal abortion, as you said, it's more authoritarian now than ever. So I don't know. Does that mean we get more violent? I, I, I don't know, honestly, what what the answer is. Um, but we're 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 not you know, we're not seeing we're not seeing revolutionary progress. But if you asked the founders of critical resistance, um, they wouldn't be surprised because as Dylan Rodriguez explained to me, um, he's one of the founding members. When they created that group, they all just got together and were like, holy shit, 30 years of our work for civil rights. And all we've done is strengthen the system. All of these reforms have only strengthened the system. Now we have to completely overturn it. Um, and so they recognize this, you know, historical tapestry of liberationist struggle. It takes a long time and it never ends. Yeah, no, and I, I think it's a great point. And like, uh, and, uh, like a friend of mine, Pascal Robert, is like, he refers to it like the past 50 years of the 50 year counter revolution. Yeah. You know, yeah. from labor and civil and, you know, like civil rights, uh, from that inception, you see a 50-year counter-revolution to and successfully repeal those voting rights, you know, now abortion, like labor, you know, all of those sectors that, like, saying, oh, hey, we won, those are all now gone. And that, yep. and like, it's going further back. So, yep. uh, but yeah, Karthik, sorry. Uh, no, I mean, I, I was just getting into the like, I mean, uh, to talk about uh, two things that are uh, that happened very recently and are like uh, on everyone's mind. Uh, one is the instance of uh, the, the horrible, brutal killing of Jalen Walker, a guy who was just doing a DoorDash delivery um, happening almost a week prior uh, or even a few days prior to um, a, a, ter a terrible uh, sh mass shooter being apprehended uh, without 
a single gunshot wound and like uh, without any kind of, uh, you know, a, a confrontation even. Um, yeah. And then and then right after that, uh, seeing this kind of footage uh, of the surveillance camera uh, inside the elementary school uh, in Uvalde uh, oh. is kind of revealing, uh, I mean, by itself, right? Like the extent to which uh, defund the police probably has uh, much more bite than uh-huh. uh, people thought it did, uh, because uh, because these are instances that are that cannot be explained away as like some kind of oh bad apple or something like that. This is like literally a, fa- a systemic failure, and like uh, people like to point out at, at the at the Uvalde thing, it wasn't just the cops; it was like feds, it was uh, you know a SWAT team or whatever. Like that, the, they were like all all kinds of people uh, gathered there, and like nobody lifted a finger. They were like kind of fist pumping each other and laughing and shit like that, as if they were you know milling around at a at an at a desk job um and like essentially when when this is the kind of um you know work that they do anyway that mm-hmm. uh, i mean as they say sunlight is the best disinfectant uh, you actually they, they are exposing <laughs> themselves real time so i wonder if like you know anything changed i mean like george floyd changed a bunch of things uh in the changed the equation a little bit because uh, that was like the first time i think a cop was actually sentenced uh, for murder of uh, in in such a situation, so I wonder if these are like instances that could possibly turn the needle a little bit. Like, yeah, you well, you know, for what it's worth, um, you know, Derek Chauvin was not the first to be convicted, but he was absolutely the first to be convicted in such a public trial. Um, but of course, that was performative, like just about anything else. Derek Chauvin had murdered five people before George Floyd. Why wasn't he convicted or put removed from the force before? It's because it just didn't get the public, you know, attention. So they didn't need to because they're not actually against this stuff. Um, Uvalde is a great example. Um, I mentioned a crazy, maybe not crazy, but I mentioned a powerful thing that Cornell West said last time I was with you guys about 9-11 and I feel like, you know, people have to get people, people can misinterpret what I'm about to say. They can pull this quote out and use it against me. But the reality is, in one way only, Uvalde is the best thing to ever happen to abolition, to abolitionists, to abolitionist theory, to to the movement to defund the police. Because like you said, in such an eloquent way, um, it is right there in front of everyone. There is no way to deny it. It is, you know, it it is a lot more powerful to watch them standing there than it is for me to tell you that 98 plus percent of um, cops are not even um, charged, let alone tried and convicted. It's, you know, it's more powerful to watch them allow, you know, dozens of children get murdered and to hold back the family members of, of, kids, you know, trying to save, trying to save their kids than it is, you know, for me to just tell you to go read my antagonist mag article about why cops are not the answer to hate crimes or mass shootings. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it can, I I think the killing of Jalen Walker can, um, but, you know, they are equally repressive each time. You know, um, we've seen all of the beatings and arrests at the protests following Jalen Walker's murder. We've seen the beatings and arrests of people protesting uh, for abortion rights. So, you know, I think that the 
even, you know, in in response to 2020, they they sent um, federal agents, they kidnapped people, they firebombed communities that weren't even protesting. Um, and and I think they learned their lesson that, you know, even though 98 percent of the protests were peaceful and the ones that weren't were the cops fault, they work hand in hand with the media propagandists to paint this picture that it's, you know, black people and leftist allies who are destroying the country, um, you know, town by town um, while increasing the repression and um, of, of protesters and of and of protest. So, um, yes, but I haven't seen it. Um, it happened really quickly after George Floyd and it's, it hasn't reached that level yet. Um, I mean, I like, as again, as you said, the level of authoritarian, uh, ism right now is at a, the, a high of, of my 40 years of life. So I don't, if it's not going to happen now, I mean, there's a reason that I and every other Jew I know is looking for ways to get out. And if we're already waiting for the next Holocaust, why aren't we doing more? Yeah, and that's like something that, um, you know, and even just like talking about uh, the fact that I think like Americans and like at least more people are realizing like, hey, we don't have a democracy here. Um, and the the like the process, you know, isn't doing what it's saying it's supposed to do, um, which is like protect, you know, protect certain liberties and freedoms and everything like that. Um, there's, I mean, there's like you could find dozens of blog posts, you know, article like op eds, just Twitter posts. I mean, you're saying it of you know Jewish families. Especially like some 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 elder Jews saying like, yeah, this is this is getting fat. Like, hello, like it's, it's yeah. This is the never forget, right? You know, like, yeah. Right now, right now, we need to we need to like this is the time. Um, and that famous and, poem, like, right. <clears throat> yeah, it, it you know like it. Then they came for me. Like it's right here, motherfuckers. All women, you know, all LGBTQ people are being oppressed right now. So and immigrants have already been involved, been faced with uh, forced um, hysterectomies and whatever the fuck it is like, um, you know, removing their uteruses. So um, it's here like, you know, if not now and never again action like they've been saying never again is now for years and no one's been listening. Um, But maybe now that it's not immigrants and it impacts even rich white women you know, that's what shocked me the most about the, you know, the police response, even though I should have known better. I thought maybe given who's protesting, they'd be a little less violent, but apparently not. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, it's only a matter of time. It is only a matter of time. And, and it's, yeah, like, uh, I, (laughs) I tell a lot of people, like black people, as uh, especially ones that are like thinking about like the military, joining the military, stuff like that. It's like, don't think the uniform's going to save you. Like, if you think that's the right. option in yep. order to get protection, like, it ain't going to save you. Yeah. Yep. I had a song years ago. Um, 
that was kind of a precursor to 10 Demands. Not nearly as good, but a very powerful video, in my opinion. Um, and one of the things I mention in that song is people being born into communities surrounded by um, bars. There's bars around all the windows where they're born, and all the billboards are for alcohol and the military. And that's what they're telling them. This is your way out. You know, this is, you know, it's, it, this is the community that you were born into. There's no other way out except to kill people who look like you somewhere else. And I think that's going to be, uh, and that's the thing is like with economic repression, you know, like things get more expensive, like the military option is going to be more and more attractive to people. Oh, wait, hold on. I just have to ask this. Did you guys see the news that like there was actually some kind of vote on a law about looking into white supremacy in the military and like they the Congress voted to not investigate? Yeah, so there's a few different. So there was um, there was one about like immediately kicking out anyone tied to white white supremacy. I think that one failed. Uh-huh. So there was one of like giving increased uh, ability to to kind of look into people who might be white supremacists in the military, and like that's something that they're, 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 they 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 pass. So right. and the thing is, like I th- this is all just within the U.S. House, so mm-hmm. um, okay. it hasn't passed. None, none of this has passed the Senate. You know, the like the House. I think they like with all that the the NDAA eight hundred forty billion. You know, was the yep. was the top ticket, uh, but you know, when it comes to the military industrial complex, don't fall in love with that number. It's going to probably be higher than that after the Senate gets done with it. Um, yeah. So we'll see by the end of it. Like by the end of it, there could be absolutely no. Yeah. You know, by the time President Manchin gets done with it, yeah, like they're not going to look <laughs> at. There's no mention of white supremacy at all in the bill. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. So there, there you go. Oh, my God. All right. Let me ask you guys a random question because it's fun for me. Um, If you had to name a rapper that I that you think I was influenced by or that I remind you of, who would it be? You know, this is like I I, I was going to say this right um, at the the veterans and the brethren rhyming. uh, Uh But like I couldn't. Uh I, I was like hearing. I know exactly um, who you're going to say. <laughs> I was hearing Eminem at that point. Yeah. I was like, yeah. yo, that was like, I mean, th- that's what made me like love the song uh, so much <laughs> more because, you know, Eminem for all is like wordsmithing and uh, the the kind of dexterity that he brings to the table uh, has has like and his storytelling and everything. Um, I, I was extremely shocked that he couldn't like he has attempted protest songs two or three times now and they were all terrible. Like, yeah, I couldn't he's, believe he's how horrible. He's a like, barely, like, barely even. <laughs> yeah, okay, right? right. So, so a couple things. One, I couldn't help but be so annoyed by like he did this like not impressive acapella like against Trump, and like it got so much love. And meanwhile, I did a whole song for Heather Heyer where the you know with the fuck Trump chorus and actual thought behind it and obviously i'm not eminem so no one paid attention you know and but obviously that's just me being silly and self-absorbed um more importantly 
the reason Eminem sucks is because he's rich. When he was really yeah. poor, he had a lot of fight in him. He had, he, you know, he wanted to get the fuck out of there and he had drive and he, you know, he had all of these, all of this angst and anger and sadness and depression, whatever to pull from. And now he has nothing to talk about. So all he does is obsess over the language, the words, and it comes out like corny. It comes out like not making sense. It, it sounds like he's just stuffing words. It's just, it's really unlistenable <laughs> at this point. You know what's interesting is that like it, it, we had, you know, we did a show and we talked about like George Carlin uh-huh. and kind of like his arc and you know, if you know, like, yeah, like, Carlin kind of had these, like, similar part of his life, or, you know, like, his comedic career, where he's just, like, saying words and being goofy, and, like, really, like, that's hmm. that's it, because, like, wow. that's all he got, and he was, like, he, he you know, he, and, like, eventually on, he's, like, gets a deeper understanding of, like, you know, or at least, like, he starts going to the politics, and, yeah, like, a lot more, um, and that gave, yeah, it gave depth to the material, um, and, and, and yeah, and that's where it's like, well, yeah, when like having Eminem go out there and make a rap for Joe Biden, like that's just a rich dude. Did that, wait, making, hold on. Did that happen? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Wait. Yeah. Like, I, thought, I thought he like, or I don't know if he maybe endorsed him, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he did some type of, uh, like he played a show for like a Biden thing. Yeah. Like he was, a, okay. he was, a, I mean, like, re- re- recently uh, he was with Snoop Dogg. Uh, oh, two chains. Oh, okay, the, oh, the NFT yeah, thing. We'll get to the NFT thing, but also with a uh, two chains did a campaign stop for Kamala, and like that's the thing is like he did. I'm different, right? He introduced like, hey, I'm I'm supporting Kamala because she's different, and I like uh, that. And then uh, like he starts, it's like, yeah, what? That's <laughs> it's I so mean, lame. two two chains is different. You know, he didn't start out as a political rapper and he became somewhat politicized over the years. And it's not my place to judge him. But obviously, I think if he had read what I've written about her, which is no different than what anyone else like me has written about her, basically listing all of her incredibly horrible crimes against humanity, he probably wouldn't have done that. But at the same time, maybe he would have, because a lot of people are still down with the lesser of two evils, especially in a situation where the other evil was literally calling for violence against people like us and like literally called Nazis very fine people. You know, it it was hard as a Jew to not vote. You know, it was hard as a Jew to not vote for anyone running against someone who's empowering people who want to kill me. And that's like the thing that's like very frustrating, I guess, is that if you zoom out from that, because that, like, that's the correct analysis. The person that's not the person trying to kill me is the right decision. Right. But if you zoom out from that, right. And like, like Jamie Raskin, who's one of the top uh, Democrats in the house he led some of the the, uh, the um, impeachment stuff on Trump. He's you know, a part of the January 6th uh, committee stuff. He said, historically, the center-left and the center-right come together to defeat fascism. Mm-hmm. That's total bullshit. It never happened. 
That right. is false. It has never happened. Right. Cent- like what has allowed fascism to come <laughs> about is when the center left yeah. capitulates to the center right. Correct. Who's capitulating to the fascist? Correct. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> um all right. Well, <laughs> like, um, I think that I'm right, hoping so, that people can like eventually or at least like you need to convince people of that like like if the Democrats aren't gonna be your friends, then guess what category they're in. Yeah. And that's what makes my friend Nick, who goes by Socialist MMA, who co-founded Revolutionary Blackout Network and co-founded 10 Demands with me. That's what makes him so important and his group so important because it's not me pontificating about the Democrats. It's a black man pontificating about the Democrats. And so I focus on positive change. I focus on what we should be doing toward abolition. He puts it in the context of... Joe Biden created mass incarceration. Um, the squad votes to increase funding for the people trying to kill me. And that's really important to hear from someone who's directly impacted by that. And not only that, by some by someone who got his start in politics by campaigning for uh, Bernie. Yeah, and I think that like uh, in the in the context of uh, in, the, in the way you talk about yourself, I, I, I love that you draw the contrast and like uh, in one case asking for divestment from the Democrats and in the other case, like kind of uh, uh, bringing it back to what you want to do in terms of uh, organizing in a positive direction, as in like uh, what you should be doing instead of what you shouldn't be doing. I think it's like absolutely important that we understand exactly the extent to which the Democrats are a morally bankrupt institution uh, and, an, I mean, like pretty in, significantly politically bankrupt institution as well. Um, but I think like especially what is positive about uh, 10 Demands, and I'm really glad, I, I actually didn't know that Nick was also one of the co-founders of 10 Demands, but I think like it's it's pretty um, fascinating that uh, you are and, and you know, uh, extremely important that you are taking it in a direction where um, you say that this is not just a demand for what shouldn't be, but what should be. Uh, yeah. So on that note, I don't know. Um, I don't know if we actually, um, this is not like, I'm, I'm not asking this as a distraction, but like to uh, kind of finish that uh, conversation, uh, you never told us uh, who actually are your influences because uh, I know Eminem oh. is not one of them because uh, <laughs> you said no. Well, uh, okay. Yeah. So, um, First, Marcus, who did you think of? And that's what it's like. So some of the words to me, this stuff is like, I think, but a better, like a more, I guess, like, like so Brother Ali, uh-huh. I, I think, you know, he has very similar, like, you know, like he can fucking wordsmithy, you know? Yeah. Um, that's a compliment. Where, yes. Yeah. So I'm hoping that like, because like, that's the thing that's like kind of tough, you know, just like, you know, kind of does zoom out and like talk about music in general. It's kind of hard. Um, to kind of like beat up on Eminem because, like, as far as strict ability goes, you know, like the dude can do some incredible shit with, yeah. with you know, with with music and hip hop. But like you said, right? If when relatability goes out the window, yeah, it really doesn't matter what your skills are at that yep. point. Yep, absolutely. Um, so. All right. Yeah, so to answer, yeah, who's 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 okay. who was uh, in your cat before you started picking up a mic? Right. Um, all right. So I will just say that I vividly remember 
when I first heard um, My Name Is um, by Eminem. It was uh, before it like came out officially on his album, and there was something different. There were a few lines in the final version that are different. I don't remember. It was a million years ago. But what I do remember is being like, holy shit, this guy's amazing, Andy's white, and maybe I can do this. Um, and my friends felt the same way, my friends who were white. Um, and, but that, but I didn't live like him. I didn't think like him. He said the N word a whole bunch of times in his songs in his younger years. And I certainly didn't do that. Um, but I, but it's worth noting that as, you know, as a white guy like that, I felt that. Um, obviously I grew up then if we're talking white guys and Jews, uh, grew up on the beastie boys, obviously, but, um, the per the two people that really, um, I guess inspired me or whatever, um, were number one, Chuck D, um, who over, who many, many years later would, you know, become a friend of mine and, um, have me on his radio show and, um, which is pretty incredible. Um, and the other person who I ended up making a song with um, is Ill Bill. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of Ill Bill. Um, he was part of the group Nonfiction um, from New York City. And I, I personally think that his old sound, he's a lot more like heavy metal, like hardcore now, but his old sound and the stuff he used to talk about, the stuff Nonfiction talked about, that's like, that's the culture that I came up in. That's, that's like who I think I sound the most like if I had to pick. Yeah. And I, I think that like, uh, I haven't heard of nonfiction, but I'm definitely going to check him out. The Chuck D, Chuck D I can definitely see. I also, uh, I mean, just pure content wise, not in, not in the cadence or delivery or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, but also I could like hear, uh, the, the people's champ song, the kind of stuff that you're saying. Um, I'm sure like, uh, I've heard a bunch of Tupac songs in which he talks about, uh, you know, arming ourselves and like kind of yeah. forming a, a sort of, uh, a, a militarizing, uh, the community in a sort of way. Uh, not I militarizing, mean, but like kind of, yeah, militantizing, I would say, like yes, for, forming a militant yeah. Community militia. Yeah, community yeah. defense. His mom, who I had the fortune of meeting, um, uh, was a Black Panther. Um, but Tupac and I are very, very different. He's a legend. He had this soul that, you know, no one has. He He was just this unique human being who had this incredible combination of like, the most like violent gangsterism you know he wasn't afraid of anybody with militant revolutionary thought behind it and meanwhile made songs like dear mama and brenda's got a baby and that are so soft and so touching and so pro black woman he was just very unique and and for what it's worth nothing like biggie <laughs> they just happened to be the two biggest artists at the time yeah which and that's something is like I think both of them, I think Biggie is, if you want to talk about just like compete contributor to hip hop, you know, like it, yeah, like great. We can have that conversation if we're just talking about music. Um, because there's just things that Biggie does. And actually too, it was I, like, we were just kind of talking with, uh, Awan, um, yesterday and you know, like <laughs> I was getting a little confused with the scheduling with A1 and awkward. Um, but uh, <laughs> with that, you know, like 
his delivery, his style, and like, I mean, he considers that, you know, he can kind of describe himself as a jazz, you know, hip hop artist, um, yeah. jazz rapper. That's you know, fair. His, his delivery is different. His, the feel, the vibe, you know, and like, that's where it's like, you talk about skills as a mic, as an MC. I think if you talk about also to being able to command a room, you can have that conversation between hip hop or between Biggie and, and Tupac. But when you start getting into, yeah, actual community, <laughs> actual like political development and and militancy, revolutionary militancy, I mean, like Biggie's not even in the conversation, you know. Right. Biggie, right. Biggie's, they're, just, they're two yeah. different people. Biggie's goal was, you know, to make music that he and his friends enjoyed listening to that could get him out of where he grew up. And... Um, and he was really young, right? Like they were both really young. It, yeah. It's really like for Tupac to have developed, like to had the to have had the awareness that he did at the age he was is pretty incredible, especially back then without access to all of the shit that you know today's teen activists ha- have access to. Um, you know, obviously it came from the people who raised him. And, you know, that's the true source of, you know, revolutionary ethic. Um, you know, um, obviously it's, it's less, it's, it's less direct when you're getting it from a third party through the internet. But, um, I ended up spending a lot of, not a lot of time, but a decent amount of time with Lil Cease, uh, from Junior Mafia, um, you know, when he was an older person and obviously the music he made with, with fraud years later was less about partying because he had aged. Yeah. And I think like in this context of especially uh, sneaking in and to bring it back a full circle, uh, because like, I know uh, we're we're kind of like uh, reaching, we're we're well over the hour mark. And I know that like we we said an hour to you, uh, but like we we, kind of like usually conclude. This time's the opposite of last time. I I have like, I managed to like, I like got some free time. So I know that people get bored. But as long as you want to have me, I can stay. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, so it's like uh, basically I, we wanted to like kind of direct the conversation towards uh, the, the song that we wanted to close with, which is uh, the uh, Medicare for All track. And I kind of uh-huh. wanted to, uh, to set that up by uh, have you talk a little bit about uh, your, your particular like focus of like making music for the explicit purpose of, yeah. you know, uh, advancing the cause of an organization or uh, advancing a cause in general. General, which is a kind of, which, uh, that kind of gets a little amorphous because like uh, anybody can say anything about a cause, but like without like a direct uh, beneficiary that comes out of the music, which is why like the the whole Judas and the Black Messiah movie was kind of lost because the the Hampton <laughs> My House made was... that movie. R- really? Yeah, Shocking King, man. That's oh wow. Favorite. <laughs> okay, I don't want to shit on it now. Uh, but <laughs> no, it was a great. It was a great movie. The the thing is, it's a fantastic movie. Uh, it had like definitely brilliant like scintillating moments uh but the question always like comes back to you know the hampton house uh how did they you know benefit from that and should they benefit from that um Mm -hmm. and these kind of questions like do you expect an artist to actually like i mean shaka king did not make the movie thinking that it would be the runaway hit of the year uh it's it's a blockbuster as well as a you know the best picture you know best it was the best picture at the oscars so uh, yeah would you 
So yeah, I, I, and I'm sorry because like I feel like I just I do want to interview like, on like I, I saw like interview with with the uh, Shark King and like even the creation of the movie is like as if they knew that they could only get this into the mainstream if they centered the snitch. You know, like if it is all framed around you know the person who is you know <laughs> and they're like going to end up uh, betraying. Uh, Fred Hampton, and I, I feel like that's like an interesting that's that's a that's an interesting understanding of of the system of media, um, and and yeah, that like that I guess that like the that right there is my biggest frustration with it. Mm-hmm. Let me let me like kind of give him the benefit of the doubt here and like kind of uh, echo a little bit of like uh, uh, the idea that like this is. This is like you taking advantage of the internal contradictions of capitalism where you want this story yeah. told, but you also want it told from this perspective. And you have a kind of revolutionary challenge of making sure that you don't compromise the revolutionary potential of the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, you also make sure that you, you can actually get it made so that the message will even be you know, put across. But again, like to bring it back to the point of like, you know, your work and uh, how you approach uh, art in this context, it always like gets a little, uh, you know, kind of a little it's a it's a point of friction or and tension when you uh tell an artist like you know th- th- why don't you do it like this or uh why don't you you know make music to advance these organizations as opposed to yourself and stuff like that and the obvious answer to that becomes uh you know well I, I, a man's gotta eat or a woman's gotta eat or a person's gotta eat uh so it's like a it, it, it is a kind of a central question that you are, I feel like, very decisively addressing um, in, in deciding only to make music for this explicit purpose, which you're able to, thanks to, you know, your, your life and uh, what yeah. work you do. Uh, yeah. But with that said, like, can you weigh in on the overall, like, the decision of, like, you know, how you came about making this decision that you're only going to make music for this? And as a, you know, a qualified, like, bona fide New York, uh, you know, art, like, rap style artist who makes like bangers um how do you you know what what would you say to artists who are like you know trying to follow your tracks or like trying to do their own thing like voicing their politics uh but who might not be able to decide the same exact way as you have yeah um so you know i i mean i think Obviously, I saw some um, negative feedback about Shaka's movie, and it was not my place to comment on, um, you know, given who I am and not even related to my relationship to him. Um, But, you know, I, I think that his goal is maybe slightly different than mine. Um, His goal is to be able to create art that tells a story that he wants to tell. And I, I, I don't want to put words in his mouth. Um, I certainly haven't asked him this, um, but I, 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 I don't think that his, like, I don't think that his inspiration was how can I make money for the Hampton house? Oh, I can make a movie because that's what I yeah. do. It was, I make movies and my last one was Newlyweeds and it was awesome. And, you know, and, and now I want to make one on this part of what's important to me. And and then it just happened to blow up. Um, you know, the decisions that I make, you were right, because I you learned from last time that I am in a privileged position. Um, what I do to earn a living, I, I write about customer experience and and marketing, like w- the things that 
consumers should have um, privacy rights, um, things like that, that have really only um, a vague connection to the to the activist work that I do. And the only reason there's a vague connection is because I insist on it. I incorporate things that Awkward cares about um, slyly, um, just a way to keep myself sane. But this is a way for me to do everything else without earning a living, without being torn by profit and and thus able to be authentic and and trusted by by people who who are impacted um so yes i i do decide which songs to make based on the the topic the interest so after creating the organization 10 demands i created the song in the video um you know the fracking song again like someone reached out to me and asked me to do a song about fracking um, the song Deep Sea, an actual organization, the Ocean Project said, can you make this song for World Oceans Day? And I did. But historically, it's just me coming up with the idea um, and, and like and and use and like then reaching out like I did with Throw Away the Key, like New York Civil Liberties Union. You want to th- uh, send me some T-shirts I can wear while I'm recording the video. Um, and like and you would be a sponsor of the video um, with. Medicare for all, um, if you guys have the time, I've been thinking about sharing something um, that I that I haven't shared up to this point. Um, And, you know, it's personal. And so Medicare for all is not something that I personally need as much as the vast majority of this country. My wife is a nurse. We have health insurance. and even despite the health insurance, we have tens of thousands of dollars of medical debt that we are never going to pay. Um, and so when I so basically this organization started March for Medicare for all, they scheduled like 50 marches all over the country. Um, I initially was going to be a speaker at the New York City uh, event. And then I started to hear some things about the organizing, the organizers, um, certain right wing people being asked to speak, um, whatever, not just right wing people, but like Nazis. And that and, and I don't think that actually happened, but there was lots of problems with the organizing. And I backed out because it didn't seem worth risking my reputation. But I still made this song because it's far less about the organization. Um, it's entirely about Medicare for all and our health care crisis. So I used one verse to tell a story that was inspired by one of my kids. Um, the other verse was more of the, you know, overarching view of the politics Um But basically, both of my kids have been sick their entire lives. Um, One of them had all kinds of like tumors in her stomach um, and is immunocompromised and had double pneumonia and almost died. The other one has lupus and a blood clot in her brain. And we have spent the last like three years spending half our time in the hospital. So this is the reason why we are so much in medical debt. And this is also the reason it's so personal for me, um, especially during COVID when, when only one of us can keep our young children company. And we're all like worried, are we going to die? Um, meanwhile, we have to juggle the little money we have, you know, and we're in a better position than the vast majority of this country. 
um, trying to decide, should we pay our mortgage, which we're even lucky to have? We're not renting anymore. Should we pay to feed our cats or should we pay to feed ourselves? Um, how many doctor's appointments can we afford to go to this week? There are five scheduled. This is the kind of shit that many people are dealing with in this country. So making this song, whether I support the organization or not, and I don't even know if I do, is was was worthwhile. Well, I got to say, I like, appreciate you um, being open about that situation. And uh, that seems like it's uh, I I just feel so like I feel feel for your, your family. Um, but like, you know, that's the realization is like. This is the reality for for most Americans, because this is how our our, our healthcare system operates. Even yep. if you're lucky enough to get it, you're gonna die with those bills. Yep. You know, and like it it it, it just doesn't have to be that way. It just doesn't have to be anywhere close to this. Um, and so yeah, uh, and I yeah, and like really just even just appreciate appreciate your uh, openness you know, about where the song is even coming from and all that type of stuff. But, you know, and that's the thing is like, once again, you know, like, like there's going to be a lot of mistakes. There's going to be a lot of failures. Um, you're going to figure out who's doing the right things based yeah. on who, yeah. who keeps moving in the right direction. Um, yep. so, um, yeah. yeah. Thank Garth you for saying that. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you saying that. And, you know, I've wondered, like, I don't, I don't want to make it about myself. So I was wondering if I should ever say this, but I feel you know, you guys are definitely um, friends, so I figured it was a good, a good time to share it. Word. Well, I mean, that was a hell of a setup too, but I think uh, we might, uh, unless someone calls in here, uh, I think, uh, yeah, Carly, we're going to try and uh, finish up with um, with the Medicare for All one. Yep. Thanks for coming on, Awkward. It's always a pleasure. I mean, like, you're, uh, I know th this is this completes our part one and part two of, like, talking about 10 demands and your work. But, like, you're obviously welcome anytime uh, to come on, uh, you know, if, even if you want to join one of our other shows with a different guest or something like that. We're always, like, uh, happy to talk to you. Uh, it's, it's it's such a pleasure. You, uh, you're you able to talk about so many diverse, like, uh, as a musician, as a, an organizer, as a journalist, as an activist, so many hats. Um, and I think that like uh, it's it's really important to uh, kind of hear the perspective of somebody who is especially keen on using art uh, in this direction because like artists are almost always like seen as a sort of self-serving uh, individual except that it's, it's tolerated because like artists are doing uh, following their passion they're inspiring and also at the same time they're struggling themselves so they they kind of I mean the world cuts us some slack but I think that like as an artist who you know actually uh, stands your ground and uh, says that this is what I'm going to make my art for because I'm 100% clear about that. I think it's very inspiring. Um, so thank you for coming on. And uh, here is Why We March. My daughter's sick. They denied another claim. So now we got to pick on what to spend to sort of change. It's sort of strange with all the rich. There's all this pain. Sometimes I fantasize about sticking up a bank. I'm a husband, a father, a freaking law-abiding citizen. So why I got to cop my child crying for her medicine? Trying to force a smile when she can't get out of bed again. The first step is denial. Is the next to pump some lead in them? I heard a story of a dad who robbed a pharmacy. Opened up his bag like poverty is policy. He left a note saying, sorry, I feel horribly. 
Save my kid's life, I'll be a criminal if I gotta be That guy's a god to me, I lost all other faith Healthcare is a human right for all the human race I heard they're marching, maybe this will force a change Tell me, how can CEOs and politicians show their face? This will mark another day Our insurance companies denied another claim We're human beings, we have rights to our names We deserve better and we'll die without a change It's CEOs and politicians pause are coming for Cause more than 30 million of us still are uninsured Half a million of us lose it all to pay the bills Each and every year, this is how Big Pharma kills Plus the 30,000 dead from no insurance And the workers losing coverage cause the boss don't need their service We occupy Congress, bailing out big business We march in 40 cities cause it's time to end the sickness This will mark another day 